watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here, Here comes, comes the binge. binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we're gonna take a look at three movies. Baywatch, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, and Wakefield. And as always, we're gonna rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being the highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life's too short for that mess. So short. Um, I like how every week, because we've kind of worked this little thing out, that I think about uh, death. (laughs) (laughs) Just a friendly weekly reminder of of your encroaching mortality. Yep. I uh, forget about it. You know, you Mm -hmm. wrapped up in the week and work and things. And then all of a sudden, I, I think about this little line. You know, let it be a reminder to YOLO. Um, mm-hmm. because you know, like it's true, like you know, the it's you know, don't ask for whom the bell tolls, right? Um, and but then it's then suddenly it's over, it's replaced with this pressure to make mm. the show not a waste of time, right? And then you're like, what am I doing here with this asshole, right? How did I yet get again here? talking about these stupid fucking movies? Uh, another week where there's no pick of the week, um, not a one to be found. Shut it down, <laughs> shut the whole <laughs> thing down. Why don't time? we just listen to other people's podcasts about movies and then just watch the ones that. They think they're good. What are we doing? We are creating in the face of of death. And that is what life is. Ugh. You know, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. And, uh, and this week we're talking about Baywatch. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing's nothing. happening in the world that would make it not a good time to talk about Baywatch. Um, yeah, I guess it's a good question. Then what's up with you? <laughs> Uh, well, aside from, you know, the usual fantasies of my demise that mm-hmm. accompany this portion of the show each mm-hmm. week. Well, last... I guess that is the upside. It is. The... <laughs> you're like, well, at least you're going down too. <laughs> 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 uh, so last weekend, in the spirit of life being short, I went to Las Vegas for about 20 total hours to mm-hmm. see Cher in concert uh, at the Monte Carlo with our friend Bethine. And it was, uh, it was, you know, a, a, a very chaotic short trip to Las Vegas. Mm. But Cher is Cher. A friend texted me and was like, "How was the Cher show?" And I was like, "The answer to that question will always be Cher." Mm. Mm-hmm. The, the Cher show was Cher. It was her birthday, wasn't it? It was the day before her birthday when oh. I saw Beth and I saw it. It was the fi- her final day of seventy. And then she turned 71 the next day. And the day after that was when she was treated and honored at the Billboard Music Awards with their like icon award or whatever that is. Uh, So it was quite a weekend for Cher. We were there at the very beginning of it. Life is too Cher for this mess? No. Life is too short for the Cher? No. Mm. Cher is too short? No. (laughs) She's a tall lady. Never mind. Go ahead. Still working on it. Well, we workshop it a little in between uh, segments, but... If anything, Cher is a testament to just how long life can be. Mm. Um, Because, I mean, it seems like she has always existed. Yeah, Uh, yeah. She's like an immortal creature. And, you know, I remember her joke. Well, no, there's BC. There's before (laughs) before before Cher. Cher. Sure, sure, sure. That's fair. I mean, like in the modern era. Right, right. Um, And, you know, I think she even joked on her behind the music, her iconic behind the music uh, you know, she's like, you know, people always say that after nuclear war, there will be cockroaches and share. <laughs> and I think that's accurate. Uh, she's not going anywhere. And she, uh, she had this glorious rambling monologue she did at the top of the show. Um, and I was like, I hope she does this the whole time. Um, but unfortunately it was just the one, but she was like, 
son and me were very popular from 1965 until 68 or 9 or thereabouts. And then we couldn't even book a dinner theater. Nobody wanted anything to do with us. So by the time that we got our TV show, we decided that we would improvise our monologue every episode. And we never scripted that. So I thought I would do that on this tour as well. And so I'm going to tell you about the three days it took me to turn 40. Uh, and then she just, and then she tells this series of like just disconnected vignettes that I guess had to do with her turning 40. It's hard to say. Um, one was about like being in a bar and seeing some hot guy. Um, then she was like, I got a phone call from the director of the witches of Eastwick and everyone starts to cheer. She's like, no, don't applaud. Don't applaud. Don't. And he was calling to tell me that Jack Nicholson had said that I was not sexy or good looking enough to be in the film. Mm. And everyone's like, boo. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and um, and then she's like, and then they had asked me to go on Letterman. And mm. I had never been on Letterman because I thought he was mean and I didn't want to talk to a mean person. And uh, But then I went on the show and I had a good time. <laughs> that was it? It's like, That's okay. The story? And, then, and, then, and then she said, this morning I did a five minute plank. <laughs> well, way to steal my what's up with me, Cher. <laughs> My core is intense right now. <laughs> and then she was just like, oh, I'm turning 71 tomorrow, so I just want to ask you one thing. What's your granny doing tonight? <laughs> and... No jokes about turning back time? <laughs> wow. Missed no, opportunity. No, sure. too easy. Too easy. Uh, so... Did she uh, did she rant about politics at all? No, no. She's she, very... I mean, her Twitter speaks it for, for itself. Right. I think that she... Um, I and mean, she's a consummate entertainment professional Mm -hmm. um and she is certainly very very open but i think you know she knows vegas shows in particular are Mm. such a cross-section of america generally generally the bad parts (laughs) as anyone who walks into even five seconds of a casino will tell you yeah vegas is a weird place an incredibly weird place but uh uh, but, you know, and unfortunately, that was her only uh, monologue of the night. But the performance was magical. She had basically a new wig and new look for each and every single song. Wow. Which was stunning. I was like, how fast are they, like, whipping this shit off and onto her back? You know, but, I mean, she's been doing it for 50 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she knows how to get that shit done. That was great. Flew back the next day and went straight to see Showgirls work to work. Beaches Christ Showgirls event, which you attended which leads nicely into my what's up with me yes which what's is, up with you i had the pleasure of seeing uh my first peaches christ show which was um the last showing of showgirls um peaches christ uh also known as joshua grinnell has been on the show a few times mm-hmm. friend of the show a wonderful wonderful person and what a performer what a uh show creator it was really amazing um i what is, is there a word for feeling retroactive shame when you're like when you didn't know that you're in the presence of such mm, greatness, oh, yeah. such talent? When you like know someone and then that like later on they're like, oh, you didn't know that person was. There's probably a German word for it. Let's oh, ask, of course let's there ask is. Heidi. I'll just put those all those words together. <laughs> right, and then exactly. Say them in German. <laughs> Embarrass celebrity past. <laughs> <laughs> Something. Um. Yeah. Uh. And then Joshua came over the next night to watch the new Twin Peaks. And I told him, I was like, Rebecca was there last night. It was actually her first show of yours. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, what an odd first show for her to see. <laughs> your Joshua impression is better than your share impression. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm saying your share impression is bad. It will. <laughs> um, 
But can uh, you do? Can you do uh, Joshua? Because you do Sherioki, where sometimes mm-hmm. we sing all the songs like Cher. Can yeah. you do Peachioki, where you sing all the songs like Peaches Christ? I don't know. I mean, I could probably do Peaches' singing voice is very similar to her speaking voice, so maybe. Well, I mean, if you need something to distract yourself with in the next week, I <laughs> Thank suggest you. practicing Peachioki. Yeah, I have nothing going on this next week, so I totally will do that. But, but yeah, no, he was like, well, that's a very strange first show of mine for her to have seen. And I was like, well, she had a great time. He's like, oh, okay, well, great. <laughs> <laughs> and there are so many shows coming up. Uh, this Saturday, there's one uh, with the, the Drag Queens of Comedy. Drag Queens of Comedy. Uh, there are some coming to um, Portland and Seattle. Um, so. Yeah, they're doing it. If you're in Portland or Seattle, Peter's Christ is coming your way with a production of 9 to 5. That sounds um, amazing. Co-starring Heclina and Pandora Box. Uh, so those tickets are on sale now. Check it out. So let's go to our first movie of the week, which is Baywatch. Devoted lifeguard Mitch Buchanan butts heads with a brash new recruit. Together, they uncover a local criminal plot that threatens the future of the Bay. Welcome to Baywatch. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much uh-huh. says it. Yep, that's uh, it. That's, that, that's, you know, I mean, it's, I, I, I love a trailer that doesn't tell you the whole movie. <laughs> You're going to love today's trailers. <laughs> We've got something special planned for you guys that just came together <laughs> frantically and with much screaming and delight <laughs> in the last few minutes. Uh, life is definitely too short for what we just did. <laughs> but I wouldn't take back a second. Of no, it. I love it. <laughs> it was joy. Um, Baywatch. Wow. I feel like we've been looking forward to this one. Um, you know, love of the rock, your love of um, shirtless men. No? Mm. Oh. Oh, it's, your, it's, it's butts. There were no butts in this movie. <laughs> Is that what it is? I, I'm sorry. I had uh, you, you wrong. Have, you have been paying attention. <laughs> uh, yeah. So first of all, um, we need to talk about the fact that this movie wants gay dollars, mm. but does not deserve them. Ooh. Uh, so they've really been going after the gays on this one. Um, they've been buying ads featuring gay-friendly reality stars like the Real Housewives and some RuPaul's Drag Race girls and having them film like their own entire campaigns, like running up and down in red swimsuits. Oh. Uh, so And they've, they've been throwing promotional events at gay clubs. Have they been running ads on Grindr? Um, I haven't noticed. Uh, <laughs> Trick question. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but... You know, it's, uh, so they've been really going after the gay money. And so going into it, I was like, okay, well, you know, like maybe it's going to be surprisingly gay. I don't know. It certainly has the potential to be gay. Um, and wow, it is, it is not gay. Um, and I'm so puzzled by this marketing approach because I don't understand, because this was like, you know, a director that came down from like from the studio. Yeah. And I don't know if they think that, you know, that gay men are so shallow and basic and simplistic that just shut up, that just, uh, <laughs> that just, that just putting Zac Efron in a movie is enough to, I know, I know, just breathe through it, that Zac Efron is just enough to put our asses into seats. But it is, it is not enough. I think it's just misguided. And, I feel like they should have just done, they should have done these events um, about Alien Covenant because it's Fassbender that you are always yes, interested in. I know. And he makes out with himself, as mm-hmm. we talked about that on the show. They should have had an Alien-themed drag show. And there's, <laughs> now that would have been fierce and that would have been very appropriate for San Francisco's drag aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But instead, it was this Baywatch shit. Uh, so, and you know, and honestly, it would have been one thing if Zac Efron actually did nudity in the movie, then all would have been forgiven. But he does not. <laughs> Um, he and Dwayne Johnson are barely even shirtless, honestly. 
Um, really? Despite, you know, the posters would have you think otherwise. Yeah, they definitely it, would. It's just not true. Meanwhile, um, all the women actually walk around naked the whole time. No, actually, amazingly, and this is like the one bit of cred I'll give it, is that it does not have um, like gratuitous female nudity in it. But this movie's rated R for... It I is rated it like, R. For nudity in addition well, to like crude sexual humor. There is. There's a lot of crude sexual humor. Okay. That part is very true. And um, and in keeping with its like bro comedy core, the only male nudity is embarrassment nudity from schlubby co-star John Bass in the designated sex comedy dork role. Mm. Uh, you know who has like the super hot. Uh, so CJ is the character Pam Anderson played on the show, mm-hmm. and they keep the names. And so there's a new CJ played by Kelly Rohrbach. Uh, who really nails the non-threatening chick who can hang, yet it's also totally super hot thing that bro comedies love so much, mm. um, and still has a hardcore makeout sesh with like the sex nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely like male wish fulfillment bullshit in that sense. So he's the only one who has any nudity. It's a butt shot. Um, there is also the movie sort of like centerpiece gag involves a surprisingly like lighthearted visit to the morgue. Uh, oh. where uh, they're investigating this body um, because, you know, they're, in, they're they're looking into, there's this powerful woman played by Priyanka Chopra, the beautiful, very, very much better than this movie, Priyanka Chopra. And, uh, you know, so she's this powerful businesswoman who they think might be connected to, like, this the rise of this drug that's been permeating the beach. And since, like, you know, the, the these lifeguards think that they're sort of, like, also cops, they investigate it. And um, and these bodies start to pop up. And so at one point they go to the morgue to like investigate this body to see if the cause of death was what was advertised. And um, and there's this extended sequence of um, of Zac Efron having to like lift up the dead man's penis and testicles to like look under it. Um, and this is clearly a prosthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and then you know the joke is that Dwayne Johnson is like taking pictures of him holding this. Uh, uh, so, so it's like gay bait. It's Sh- gay shame. It's it's really like it's like the opposite. It's like the most anti boner gay moment you could have had. Right, but the point is he's trying to like shame him. For right. Like... Oh yeah, and there's also that like ha ha look at you fag. Right. Um, exactly. And it's not the only no homo moment in the movie either. Mm. Um, like there are scenes mm. where like um you know uh, Dwayne Johnson will be is on a jet ski and Zac Efron is is you know riding with him and and Dwayne's like you have to put your arms around me bro and Zac's like no I don't wanna so just like I don't mm. wanna touch you type things like that like no that's gay mm. um you know and it just kind of goes unexamined it's just sort of like oh that's funny. Um, you know, of course, he doesn't want to touch him uh, because you know I that we see that in the... a couple of movies with Dwayne Johnson, where it's like, um, like him and like, when he he's in those Kevin Hart movies and it has a lot of like no homo oh, yeah. jokes to it as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that tends to follow Kevin Hart around in particular. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know Dwayne Johnson is uh, is you know I think that he he enjoys. I mean, he he he's so you know likable. Mm-hmm. on screen and so funny and so i think that he always gets cast as the kind of guy who's like inviting being like what what's the problem mm-hmm. and while you know zach afron has to squirm or whatever mm-hmm. uh so and zach afron does have a scene where he is in drag um while like in disguise uh and is he pretty yeah he's pretty um <laughs> but that doesn't change uh the fact that you should not give this movie your gay dollars mm-hmm. do not let the fact that they paid bob the drag queen and katya to like run down a beach in bathing suits make you think that baywatch is your friend because baywatch is not your friend at all 
Um, and not only is Zac Efron not nude, <laughs> still angry about that, um, but he is, and we talked about this when we saw Neighbors 2, he is too fucking jacked. Oh, still? He is way too jacked. And it's to the point now, like, there are all these shots of him doing, like, um, doing bars, doing, monkey like... Monkey bars? The, yeah, like, monkey bars. Is that what they're called? <laughs> is that what they're called? I think for kids, they're well, called monkey bars. I'm watching you do the action, it's and the same, I think it's monkey bars. It's the same thing, but for adults. And yeah, like you, it might, it you might like to swing from one to the it next. It might still be, yeah, where, yeah, like that. And Watching you do it makes me think you've never done one. <laughs> like you're holding it with like two fingers, <laughs> like a little, like Listen, a little last, spider last, monkey. Last time I did, that's all I needed. <laughs> um, and um, and his his torso has come to now resemble because it's so weirdly compact, but also so defined that it now looks like a monkey torso. <laughs> Zac Efron, because it has a light coat, it has a Go coat, on. it has a coat of fur on it, <laughs> and mm-hmm. because and, and and you know he has these sort of like very round pecs, and then this yeah, the, you keep touching yourself while you're doing this, and, and then, I'm like, I'm like, keep going, and then the abs, they kind of you know it it, it goes down into such a narrow into such a narrow waist <laughs> that, <laughs> um, that uh, sorry she opened her eyes and I was pinching my nips. Um, <laughs> Thanks for that. You're welcome. So yeah, so he has a monkey torso. Is what I'm trying to say, um, and that's no that's no one's type. Um, and you know, and, 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 okay, well maybe it's someone's type. But it's not my type. I want to speak for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you do you. I don't know what you know what color of the hanky code that is, but you know, it's not mine. And uh, so it's but it's, if it is your thing, monkeytorso.com, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> She's got some uh, some extended previews <laughs> you can check out. Um, and uh, you know, and he it's just such it's just so clear that. It's just this Napoleon complex with him where he's trying to compensate for being this little dude, mm. um, you know, who came up through very embarrassing channels um, to become famous through like high school musical and everything. And mm-hmm. so he just keeps overcompensating for being so tiny and coming from this like musical theater or Disney background mm-hmm. by being like, I'm going to get so fucking ripped. But he looks ridiculous. It's too ripped. It's too ripped. And mm. now he's playing Jeffrey Dahmer in a movie. Really? Or no, Ted Bundy. He's playing Ted Bundy in a movie. He's going to have to lose some of that. That's why I told Scott the other night. We were like getting ready to fall asleep. And then as I tend to, I turned him and I was like, here's Zac Efron's playing a Ted Bundy, playing Ted Bundy in a new movie. And he was like, was Ted Bundy super ripped? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, well, let me look it up. And I'm like, don't look up Ted Bundy <laughs> on your phone right now. And he's like, no, I'm going to look it up. I'm like, we are in bed about to fall asleep. Do not invite the spirit and energy of Ted Bundy into our marital bed. And then he's like, I'm just waiting for you to fall asleep then. I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. And these are the things we fight about. I don't think Ted Bundy was super ripped, but if you had been playing Jeffrey Dahmer, you may have seen some I know different things. So, so, and once again, it would have involved Zach Efron touching a dead man's privates. <laughs> he's been typecast. <laughs> Um, He's so, like, damn it, is this my thing now? Fuck. <laughs> All those uh, photos Dwayne Johnson sent to Sony f- Pictures to have him <laughs> audition for. Yeah. Um, so is there anything redeeming about this movie? Not especially. It takes like one of the campiest guilty pleasure shows of all time. You know, one of the great punchlines of TV mm-hmm. makes approximately zero jokes out of it. It gives us like a strangely straight-faced homage that plays out like a, just a rote action bro comedy. There's not even a hint of camp. And, you know, when there are not one but two very funny movie versions of Baywatch's peer in cheesy TV action circa 1990, 21 Jump Street, mm-hmm. you have no excuse. No excuse to have made a movie that's so unfunny, mm-hmm. so lame, just like so lacking in any kind of imagination comedy-wise. Uh, wow. It's, it's, it's dreadful. Um, I will say, <laughs> David Hasselhoff is having quite a summer. 
Oh, really? Um, because he has a surprise cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which has been out long enough now that I can say that. And he does come back briefly in this film as well, as does Pamela Anderson, mm. which was, I mean, I mean, you know, you think that would be enough to have me delighted. But Isn't she, she like really pro-Trump now? I don't. I haven't heard that. I think she's some doing something. Uh, I have a hard time believing that political that mm. is a little. Uh, I can't rough. imagine that's going to be true. I mean, Pam Anderson is, is is nothing if not a rabid animal rights activist. Yes, that that. And yeah. I can't imagine her being cool with Trump when his sons are like going around shooting elephants. In the oh Serengeti. right, I forgot about that. That would surprise me. Rick is looking it up. Uh, so <laughs> a watch the movie is neither funny nor fun nor especially in on the joke because it's not really oh. making a joke. Special relationship with Julian Assange, your favorite. Oh, <laughs> well, that I'm fine with. <laughs> that I'll that that I'm I'm fine with mm-hmm. her being friends with a far lefty. That mm-hmm. that I'm cool with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's just a bummer. This is the most forgettable film yet to be directed by Seth Gordon, who previously made Identity Thief and Horrible Bosses. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it was just it's just not funny. And I mean, Dwayne Johnson can do quite a bit of heavy lifting so to speak with his likability and his just effortless charm and humor and yeah like he's still likable and enjoyable in this movie like i like him i like watching him in movies he's delightful um hannibal burris also Mm. has a a supporting role in the film and he gets probably what few laughs the movie has just by being hannibal burris you know he can just stand there with that look on his face and say lines the way he says them and you're going to laugh it has nothing to do with no credit to the film that hannibal burris is funny in it Right, absolutely. Sorry, I was still down that Pamela Anderson politics thing, uh, which is a hard... Is there a whole wiki for this? Well, there's a whole Telegraph article um, about how The, the politics she... of Pamela Anderson? Yeah, yes, basically. Um, Pam's Pauls. She she uh, had gave a speech about um, the damage of pornography. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's hurtful to women. She was um, upset about President's, President... I don't want to say it. About Donald Trump's, um, that was like right after the leak where he said he groped women. Uh-huh. Um, she's friends with Assange, and um, she, her reaction to Brexit was a quote: "With all due respect, Brexit is complicated, um, but kissing circus animal acts goodbye is easy as pie." I mean, it's, that was a protest about circus uh, animals in. Oh, and, so, and some like fucking some fucking journalist was like, "What about Brexit?" And she's like, "I'm not here to talk about Brexit." Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, good for her. I'm mm-hmm. glad that she didn't take the bait. And Brexit is complicated. Uh, so it's not like she's the porn wrong. thing's a little complicated though. What's uh, that? The porn thing's a little complicated, but well, yeah, we, I mean, we I, don't have to go down. I, that I, road I right would now. need to know more about what she was saying. Absolutely. <clears throat> but you know, I think it, it's also it's a pretty common trajectory for women who. Um, have come up through sort of like Playboy and very sexually charged material to sort of have a latent life crusade against it. It's mm-hmm. happened time mm-hmm. and time again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not surprising to hear that, mm-hmm. um, you know, given, uh, I mean, she also, is, you know, this is a woman who sort of pioneered the celebrity sex tape and not oh. at all in a way that she participated Profit, in. Yeah, profited, um, profited. So I can certainly see where, you know, she would feel damaged personally mm-hmm. by having actual footage of herself having sex get out there into the world and become this sort of laughing stock. But I'll always have a soft spot for Pam Anderson, if only because at her at her celebrity, at her Comedy Central roast, mm. the dais included Sarah Silverman, Courtney Love, and B. Arthur. Which is, I think, you're like, if you could invite anybody to dinner. It would be mean? that. It would be yeah. that. And uh, yeah, whenever I'm feeling down or blue, I just say those three names in, in, in a row. It's like my Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> Um, so anyway, oh, Beetlejuice. Oh, I should do a Halloween mm. costume where B. Arthur is Beetlejuice. Write that down. Get out <laughs> your moleskine. Write it down. All so, right. Did you ever watch Baywatch when it was on TV? No, I couldn't um, oh. because I was, I felt like it would, people would know I was gay. 
Really interesting. Was, you people would find out that you were watching it. Yeah, but I feel like there's like no, it was no interest uh, in it. Like it was all like, oh, the you know the guys in in school liked it, mm-hmm. you know, liked it. Right. Um, and so I felt like if I watched it, it would be like a really clear indicator of how gay I was. So girls never talked about it. Just I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know that I remember. Were you into Pam Anderson? Uh, no. Mm-mm. No, not no. your type. No. Who who other women on that show? Yasmin Bleeth. No, no, no. Mm-mm. I mean, I was into David Chokichi. <laughs> I don't care who knows it. Everybody knows it. <laughs> so, don't check it out. Send it back. Send it back. Yeah, send it back. Um, and like we said earlier, it's rated R for language throughout, crude sexual content, and graphic nudity. And that leads us to movie number two, which is Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Captain Jack Sparrow finds the winds of ill fortune blowing even more strongly when deadly ghost pirates, led by his old nemesis, the terrifying Captain Salazar, escape the Devil's Triangle, determined to kill every pirate at sea, including him. All right. So, um... You heard it. You know what it is. You got it. Um, Best part of the trailer. This is movie number five in the Pirates of the Caribbean series, a giant moneymaker, mm-hmm. uh, wonderful ride, I think. I've never taken it mm. at Universal Studios. Um, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Well, no, it'd be a Disney, right? Sure, or- it's a Disney. <laughs> I've never, no, I have been to Universal Studios, but like barely. Yeah, I've say. never been to Disney. Have you? Have I been to Disney? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, many times. Okay, tone. Wait, have you never been to either Disney? No. What? Mm-hmm. But you grew up in Ohio. I know. Did Which you, is was the, your, did you know come like from a, a Disney household? A portal right from Ohio to Florida. There really is. Um, I mean, it's just where you go when you grow up back there. <laughs> you take family vacations to Disney World. Um, End of story. I did not do that. I mean, to be fair, I did not actually do that either. Uh, and to, not until my senior year. I didn't go to Disney World until, uh, until my senior year of high school. And then I went twice because we went there on a marching band trip um, to, wow. to play in the parade. And then also my dad took me and my brother there. And uh, so it was an embarrassment of Disney riches for me. <laughs> uh, but then since moving to California, I've been down to Disneyland several times. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, it's where Scott's sister got married at Disneyland. Oh, so. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, no, never been. Um, no. I just don't think it's my jam. Do you like amusement parks ever? Uh, I, I'm okay with them, but not, not, in, not in particular, no. Just okay. um, a lot of, I don't know. Just a lot of That's cement. Fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. Like, I don't enjoy the rides per se. The environment can be kind of fun. But a lot of people try to convince me to go. Um, <laughs> people, I try to convince me to go to Disneyland World. What's the one over here? Yeah, Disneyland. Um, at least once a year. Um, and you look. You had this very like embattled look in your eyes when you said that. You know, people try to talk me into going at least <laughs> once a year, and every year I have to break it down for a bitch that no, I'm not going. It is an awkward. It, it is a strange, a strangely difficult conversation. It like is I feel like I should be able to be like, no, I'm, I'm okay. I don't want to go there. But like, if you said to me, I'd be like, what? No, you don't want to go? I'd be like, why? What? Because <laughs> I am an adult. <laughs> you have this thing about being an adult. We're like, I don't watch teenage movies. I'm an adult. I don't go to Disneyland. I'm an adult. Well, guess what? Other adults watch teenage movies and go to Disneyland. Maybe it's not working because I'm actually 14. <laughs> the you jig big, is up. You bigged your way into this. I've been driving <laughs> for years. <laughs> <laughs> it's 13 going on 30. <laughs> Except it's 13 going on 36. That's why I just keep... Ex- 37. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Doubling down on the fact that I am an adult like most adults... 
often say out loud to their other adult right, you're friends. Like, you're like, oh, you're just, yeah, now it's all making sense. You're overcompensating. You're like, what? Well, I'm a grown-up. See how much I can drink? Exactly. This is about, you know, like, you're like, I didn't watch Baywatch because I didn't want them to think I was a lesbian. I, I, I don't <laughs> watch teenage things because I don't want them to realize that I'm actually a teenager. This is all about you just covering your trail left and right. <laughs> all of that work for nothing. It's all the jig is up. on the cover right off. Well, anyway, we Anyway, send it back. Moving on to the next... Uh... <laughs> <Movie>. <laughs> so this definitely seems like the kind of movie where they work from the title backwards. Definitely. Um, they thought of Dead Men Tell No Tales, and then they're like... Let's 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 go ahead and, and, and make a movie that somehow explains Dead Men Tell No Tales. And not only explains it, but has Javier Bardem say that right before the title comes up. Mm-hmm. Like this is fucking CSI Miami. <laughs> like um, wow and then we're just into the movie. And right into the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um so the first one came out in two thousand three. Mm-hmm. Um I was four. Oh uh <laughs> Damn it. Shake up again. Um, On the night I was conceived. <laughs> uh, I think I saw the first two, but then mm-hmm. I have I took a, a, yeah. a brief break. Um, a brief break. And here we, ba- here we are and back here, for the... 15 years later. Break over. <laughs> um, well, and, and I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you which ones I've definitely seen except for one, which is the last one on Stranger Tides, which I was convinced was like... The, on Golden Pond? The, <laughs> I felt deeply betrayed and very confused. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I guess that could be Catherine Hepburn playing Jack Sparrow. <laughs> but, you know, it was uh, very confusing. But so I thought it was the next. I thought there had been another one bef- between that and this current one. But it, it, there wasn't. That mm. came out in 2011. I reviewed it for Spinning Platters when I was reviewing movies there at the time. So this is the new, the first one in six years. Wow. Which is the longest lull yet they've had. Um, uh, in between these movies, and uh, and I, I I can't say that it it seems like they really cooked this one better. Yeah, <laughs> I can't say it looks like six years of of work and, and thought went into Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales. I mean, if it did, it was all in the effects. It was all in the effects, which are very cool. Yeah, and like the whole like the literal physical world building. Yeah, uh, like right. these, in these islands I mean, in the Caribbean. There's or... a parting of the sea to shame Moses. Uh, it is. <laughs> I feel like that's why they did it. There's only one comparison. They did right, it exactly. way better. There's like, suck it, Moses. Suck it, Ten Commandments. <laughs> um, now we're the best parters, And they are. So I'm not going to fight them on that. Um, but uh, So yeah, I think it may have taken... They probably stopped. They probably finished shooting this like five years ago. And the, mm-hmm. and the five years since then have just been like post-production details. It's weird that it's been that long since the last movie because I feel like it's like very uh, present in pop culture. And maybe <clears> it's <throat> because of the, the ride that people right. talk about. And but, maybe um, because Johnny Depp is an ever-present yeah. person in pop culture, for better and worse. I do know that I guess this this did shoot so long ago that he and Amber Heard were still together. Oh, really? Uh, because that was uh, one of the things that was so this 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 production was plagued with Johnny Depp problems. Mm, yeah, um, this is the earpiece one. This is yeah, I mean, and he was in, he was hours hours late, consistently, and he was you know getting into these they said physical fights with Amber Heard while mm. they were in production. And so, uh, you know, so that sends it back at least a few years mm-hmm. um, to when they actually were shooting this. Um, but, you know, it's funny because in the movie, Jack Sparrow's crew quits his ass for being a drunk mess. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that was about to happen to Johnny Depp also on the set. Right. It's a little bit of meta story uh, <laughs> in this in terms of the arc of Jack Sparrow and the challenges that he's bringing to those around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but... 
Even though I had seen the last film, I went into this feeling like I knew absolutely nothing about the franchise at all. Because, like, these movies, I, I do not, I profoundly do not understand the attraction mm-hmm. to this franchise. Yeah, same here. It is boggling to me. And I was in, I was, and this one ends in a way that it could be the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it ties up one thread in particular in a very, like, pleasing, satisfactory way. And it has one that it kind of leaves open, but it could also be, it'd be a much better open-ended ending than Wakefield has. <laughs> right. But I mean, it's all going to, it's all going to depend on how much money this movie right. makes, right? And I think it's making a lot of money. I saw, um, uh, oh God, I got this really depressing. I've been complaining all week about like how, what a fucking shit show this week is for movies between Baywatch and mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean. And then I got like a breaking news alert from like Hollywood Reporter being like, Pirates tracking to 80 million opening, Baywatch tracking to 40 million. Wow. I'm like, how is $120 million going to get spent on these two piece of shit fucking movies? Life is too expensive for this mess. (laughs) Life is too expensive for that mess. Like, you know, guys, like, don't you know, like, you know, like, it's like, there's not going to be any social security. Like, there's so many things you should be saving your money for (laughs) and not be spending on movies like this. I like this new approach when yes. if you start thinking about how there's going to be no social security or health insurance, <laughs> this, how much is a movie now? How I mean, much would, I don't this know. Is, would be an IMAX movie. So I probably know. like or, 20 bucks. Yeah. Like IMAX 3D. Probably like, yeah, like somewhere around like $16. Something right, like you that. You took that 20 bucks and you invested it. I love. By the time you're 80. <laughs> We're getting. If you're s- currently 14, mm-hmm. you might have some money. You might have some money, which would be more money than a lot of people would have, mm-hmm. which is no money. But. I love how out of touch we're getting about how much movie tickets cost. We're going to be like <laughs> Lucille Blue. Yeah. We're going to be like Lucille Blue. being like, you know, go see a Star War. <laughs> what are tickets? 50? 100? Get a carton of milk. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, this movie is uh, it's shitty. Um, so the storyline is about how... Which one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is so cluttered. These movies are so bloated. And they it's, it's weird. They, they put so much effort into you know these you know there's so many there's so many different characters mm-hmm. and and so it seems like the a story is about how orlando bloom and kira knightley's impossibly but appropriately pretty son <laughs> um, who's played by australian actor brenton thwaites oh you think that's his name um who like all supernaturally good-looking people is australian and uh and i i had said to rebecca after the movie we hung out for a bit and I, and i was like god i'm like well he, he's absurdly like almost androgynous pretty and you're like oh yeah who is it i'm like oh i think it's, i'm not sure his name's something like oh, like brenton thwaites and she's like looked at me like oh, oh you, you think you, you you're guessing his name is brenton thwaites as if those are sounds that just naturally go together <laughs> And you haven't like Googled him a number of times, mm-hmm. which I may have done earlier today. But um, so he, his, he's, you know, his, his father, Orlando Bloom, is uh, is trapped in some sort of curse. There's a lot of curses in these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he's trapped in this curse where he's like living at the bottom of the sea on this ship that sunk. And um, one of the first shots in the entire movie is like is is the son sitting there uh, in his room and there's a chart on the wall and the chart says father's curse. <laughs> there's also a map where that says uncharted waters <laughs> on the map. <laughs> Orlando Bloom in this movie um, and it looks like uh, Toby Keith maybe. Oh, it's like it has like a weird sort of like he has, country music star look going on. Yeah, he kind of does. And this is the first time I've seen him in a movie since the shocking reveal of his penis. Uh, in all those pictures with Katy Perry on vacation. And was I shook seeing him again? Yes, I was. Did mm. I feel clammy? I did. 
just knowing the situation now, knowing the score truly, um, it was a treat uh, mm. seeing him again. But um, so he's there; he's not in a whole lot. And so then the son is is trying to capture the trident of Poseidon, so that um, he can. Because I guess if you have the trident, then you have all the power of the sea, and you just call the shots, and he can just call off the curse. Um, and mm-hmm. so and then he goes and finds Jack Sparrow so that he can have Jack's help to track down this trident and da-da-da-da-da. And then throw an obligatory plucky princess. Um, and then also Jeffrey Rush. And then also Javier Pardem, who's playing like like a like a ghost zombie pirate. Mm-hmm. I would say a, a dead man. <laughs> who's not telling any tales. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it was weird how he was both a ghost. Like They were like ghosts and zombies at the same time because mm-hmm. they were they were like ghosts in the sense that they were sort of like apparitions. But they're zombies in the sense that they're like rotted. Right. Uh, they were both physical and not physical. Yeah, corporeal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's even a ghost zombie, is a ghost zombie shark uh, at one yeah, point, and a bunch of ghost ghost zombie birds. Yes, which that's I true. Was tickled by. And Jack Sparrow does jump over the ghost zombie shark, mm-hmm. and hopefully that shark jumping moment will symbolize <laughs> the end of this series. Uh, you know, in this, I will say, I remember being really super profoundly bored by On Stranger Tides. I was less bored by this movie mm. than I was by that one. They've brought in new directors. So the first three were directed by Laura Rubinsky. The fourth one was directed by Rob Marshall. This is directed by a pair of Norwegian directors whose names we will not try to say. Um, but they made um, the acclaimed uh, 2012 foreign adventure film Contiki. Mm. Uh, and um, so I wouldn't say that they necessarily bring any sort of like bracing new life to right. the series. Like for sure they do not. Um, but it feels like a, 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 a marginal improvement. Over the last one, it's written by the guy, the same guy who wrote Speed Two Cruise Control. So I mean, what are you gonna, <laughs> what are you gonna do? That explains why that the boat never goes under fifty miles mm-hmm. an hour. That's what Jason Patrick was doing there. I see. Um, the radiant uh, goal shifter Farahani from Patterson plays mm-hmm. a badass sea witch. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. <laughs> Always good to see her. But yeah, I just don't understand, guys. If any of you out there are fans of the pirate series, then please like hit us up. Let us know why, because. Mm-hmm. This is one of the great head scratchers for me. This is a, this is one of the most enduring franchises where I just do not get it. Is mm-hmm. it some sort of like neutral ground? Is it some is it the kind of thing where like lots of different people from different demographics and different age groups and different politics can all come together and be equally bored and unoffended by the Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> movies? Is that what it is? Does everyone just love like a bumbling drunken goof I so mean, much? There is that. There is that. Did you uh, did you enjoy Johnny Depp in this film? Uh, not particularly. Um, th- so there's one kind of interesting thing. Again, the thing I liked the most was were the effects for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this whole section where they're you know, telling the tale that you you know can't tell if you are a dead man, but it's about um uh the young Jack Sparrow. Oh. Do you have any insight about how they made Johnny Depp look 18 years old? Well, I mean that's that's a really common technology now. But I was so I didn't oh, think it's like the Anthony Hopkins technology from Westworld. Yeah, probably that. Um, they also do it to Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Mm. Um, they did it to Jessica Lange in American Horror Story. Um, but, you know, it's. I was so confused because I did not think that looked. it looked partially like him, but it looked not enough like him that I thought it was an actor. Another actor? Yeah. But also, it did look like him. It yeah, was... like at times I was like, okay, that looks like him. Then other times I'm like, okay, that's just not even him. That's another actor. I thought, I, I thought that the reason I didn't think it looked like him was because I knew in my head that that never existed. And mm. I was like, oh, I know what young Johnny Depp looks like. And I was thinking of him in like different roles. Right. And so I'm like, because I haven't seen that, I know it's not the same. But I felt like if you had never seen Johnny Depp before and you watched this movie, yeah. you would think it's the same person. It was, it was yeah, it was this weird like funhouse 
must mirror young Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I was very confused by that. And it's like, it goes on. It's not where it's something like it's, oh, no. it's the back of it's a, a stunt double. Scene. It's a lengthy scene. You see him uh, talk and interact and like yeah. do motion. It was mm-hmm. really, really bizarre. You guys um, have seen Rebecca's cool. do motion dance. She just did. <laughs> I don't remember it's fun, what it was. It's a fun little twitch. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> yeah, I like it. I want to gif it. That's what I want to do. Oh. So you're, you are not, did you say you're not sure if you've seen any of these movies before? I think I've seen the first one, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think that like if you if you the you're it's about to be a summer action pirate adventure movie and my you know, you give it a shot. But to keep watching them at this point <sighs> I just I don't, don't understand. Know. I don't get it. Are you are you and invested in the story of or- Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley's son? Are you trying to see what happens? Do they leave you on a cliff cliffhanger in the last one? Yeah. It's very I don't understand. And you know, and, and you know, you have actors like Jeffrey Rush and Javier mm-hmm. Bardem showing up, Oscar winning actors mm-hmm. showing up and, you know, just doing their best to have fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jeffrey Rush is 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 I think he is especially kinda of has some good moments in this one. And you know Javier Bardem is. I mean, he's 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 so CG'd that I can't really even yeah. like be like, oh, he was great. Um, did you think the character was scary? Yeah, I did think the character was scary. Oh. Kind of does this weird Gave thing where tangles. his like uh, mouth, his mouth was full of this like black decay, oh, which yeah. I thought was pretty scary. It would like trickle out. Um, but the way he I'm spoke, like, wipe your chin, <laughs> clean yourself up. <laughs> um, you ghost zombie. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the way he, he acted was a little, I don't know, a little much. Like he definitely like yes, leaned no. into the fact that he was like half dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was a little a little theatrical. You're like, hey, Bartim, lean out. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I wished I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> and also, there is so much bloodless violence. Oh, yeah. Um, that it's like borderline irresponsible, I think. Um, like I get obviously they're doing it for like ratings reasons um, because mm-hmm. you couldn't you know show like 500 people being run through with swords and have a PG if there was any right. blood in it but like just the lack of consequence mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing that creates in young viewers um, to be like oh it's no NBD you know there's, there's just you know they, you just kind of collapse and there's no blood and you're fine mm-hmm. uh, it, yeah it's it's just bogus and strange and just like scene after scene of so much destruction is like kind of it's like Maybe this is my adult speaking, but I both felt because like in case it was... anyone's wondering, I am a grown up. Must <laughs> see my ID. Um, just the the scene after scene of like things breaking and destroying, like whole houses and like whole oh, yeah. ships. I, it felt like overwhelming. And then I, anytime that there's like a movie that takes place at sea, all I can think about is like how cold and wet it is, and then it makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> That's why you left and came back with a blanket halfway through the movie. <laughs> I had the chills. <laughs> oh, and there's also that one scene where it's like, let's all laugh at the ugly fat lady. Oh, and people laughed they did. a lot. They really enjoyed a scene where it's like, uh-oh, Jack Sparrow has to marry an ugly fat lady. Yeah. Um, which it's like, is this really, or we, we're still making like big budget American films this day. <laughs> to have mm-hmm. just like, let's laugh at an ugly fat lady. Yeah, that was pretty unnecessary. Yeah, um, that was, I mean, disappointing. And, and the actress I think was, I mean, she was like definitely like playing it up and having, oh, yeah. and I think it seemed like she was having fun, but still like just the idea that we're supposed to be like, oh, look, she's so gross. <laughs> right. Like, and of all the things that he's like afraid of or oh, has yeah. to get away from, this is like the worst one. Yeah, exactly. Like the joke isn't about him being scared of commitment. It's about like him being scared of being married to an ugly fat lady, mm-hmm. which is not a funny joke. Uh, send it back. Send it back. Life is way too short, especially because these movies always run over two fucking hours long. Mm-hmm. Wow. Is there no time for that? Mm-mm. Um, it's rated PG-13 for sequence of adventure violence and some suggestive content, which brings us to our last movie of the week, which is Wakefield. 
Howard has a loving wife, two daughters, a prestigious job as a Manhattan lawyer, and a comfortable home in the suburbs. But inwardly, he's suffocating. And eventually, he snaps and goes into hiding in his garage attic. <laughs> Sorry, it's even just funny to say. <laughs> Leaving his family to wonder what happened to him. I'll become the Howard Wakefield I was meant to be. So there we are. Uh, uh, Wakefield. In, in Wakefield. Uh, guys, we really tickle ourselves um, when we have the opportunity to uh, only have <laughs> clips where the name of the movie is said. Um, we first experimented with it in our personal shopper review, which we still laugh about to this day. We'll Every look time each other and say, our personal shopper. <laughs> it reminds me of when uh, Tracy uh, Tracy Morgan says he's the uh, the Danish girl <laughs> at the one Academy Awards skit. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So good. Speaking mm-hmm. of 30 Rock. Yeah. And this whole movie had me thinking about uh, the the two episodes um, where Tracy Jordan is staying in Liz Lemon's upper <laughs> portion of the house she just bought. Mm. And the whole time they think he's in Africa, right? Like on yeah. like hiatus. Right, right. Or it's, yeah, it's not the one where he's escaping um, like the black comedian. Oh, yeah. The, the, another bla- one. the black crusaders. Yeah. This is the one where he's just like in protest, he leaves. Uh, but then they find that he keeps getting pizza delivered to the house above hers. And then he leaves Liz Lemon a note about like getting more mustard. Like what kind, like all the mustard. <laughs> anyway, you've seen it, I'm and, sure. And apparently, um, I was listening to Titus Burgess on um, What's the Tea recently, RuPaul's podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, because that was when they first started to introduce, like they gave Angie a lot more to do. Mm-hmm. And oh, right, because he was out of town, Jordan. right. And um, and Titus said that that was just because like they were having problems with Tracy. Oh, and really? It's like every time that they had that kind of thing happen, where Tracy would be like gone for some reason, it was because like they were having Tracy problems. He was gone for some reason. Uh, yeah, exactly. So like it was very meta. <laughs> the show the Thirty Rock was about how difficult it is to manage Tracy, <laughs> and then also on the set of Thirty Rock, they were having trouble managing Tracy. <laughs> so he's consistent, if nothing else. Um, but anyway, Wakefield. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Brian Cranston um, as a successful lawyer, um, husband of Jennifer Gardner, has two daughters, lives in this house in the suburbs, mm-hmm. and um, you know thinks uh, thinks everything's a he's just an unbearable character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, has has a bit much of it. Uh, goes and starts spying on it on his family from, from the house like the garage next door. Just has like a, you know, one day on his way home from work, just kind of the train breaks down, the commuter train breaks down, and he just kind of has this break. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm not going to go back into my house. I don't want to. Um, they've made a cuck of me, and I'm going to go be a wild man and live in the attic of my garage and watch my wife suffer. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it's based on a short story by E.L. Doctorow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like a movie based on a short mm-hmm. story because it doesn't quite feel like a movie. Right. There's not quite enough here to call it a movie. It was definitely, it's one of those movies where I spent at least the last half of it thinking of other things that could happen that would make it really interesting. Um, I thought for sure, because I, I was hating this in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, and I thought for sure, I was like, oh, wait a minute, maybe he's been like this homeless uh, like deranged person the whole time and he's never actually married to her and he like never was ever knew her and she doesn't know who he mm-hmm. is and it's this whole thing is a fantasy I was like right. that would be interesting <laughs> that doesn't happen well you know but what does happen though is we get some adorable raccoons we do we do get a lot uh, of raccoon play which uh, which uh, Scott was watching part of it with me and he saw the raccoons and then we started to look up what they call the raccoons on Bob's Burgers and the raccoons on Bob's Burgers are named Little King Trash Mouth <laughs> and Big Baby Pudding Snatcher <laughs> So it at least led us to that, um, to remind ourselves of that. But 
Here's what I like about this movie. Uh, so it's written and directed by Robin Swigert, a female filmmaker who previously wrote and directed the Jane Austen Book Club, and she did screenplays in the 90s for like Little Women mm-hmm. and Practical Magic. And so I feel like what she's done here, and I haven't read the original short story. Neither have I. Um, but I feel like what she's done here is she's taken this text by Dr. O, and she has sort of cast it in this in, under sort of a feminist lens where it's now about toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Because Cranston seems like such a fucking boob in this movie. Terrible the whole he's way through. Such, he's such a pompous fool m- male monster. And uh, and I think that, you know, it's to me it was the anti-American beauty. Mm-hmm. Rather than glorify and lionize this white suburban corporate patriarch's midlife crisis slash nervous breakdown, it lets him reveal the complete extent of his of, of his utter assholery. Right, because it just it becomes him telling the backstory of how he met his wife, and that is uh, a toxic situation yeah. where his, basically his he, every motivation at every turn is as gross and caveman as it could possibly be. There really aren't any redeeming qualities about this character. None, not a one. Um, let me tell you a story. Okay. One time when I was uh, a kid, <laughs> let's say it was like, a long time ago. <laughs> The only time I was thinking it happened last summer <laughs> when I was last summer in summer of 69. Wait, am I that old? Um, I can't do much. You're like, so my dad moved into the attic. Uh, <laughs> it's, really, it's really hit close to home. My dad was the um, old doctor. No, I don't know if I told I you that. W- <laughs> I was about five and um, I was very upset with my parents and I thought they would miss me so much if I went and ran away. But I was five, so I couldn't really go anywhere. And so I went like two doors over and like stayed. I hid under the neighbor's car in the garage um, until I got hungry and it got dark. (laughs) So this movie is that. But if instead of a five-year-old girl in the 80s, (laughs) it was a 45-year-old man. <laughs> in upstate New York. That is precious. I'm glad you didn't get run over hiding under that car. <laughs> they didn't turn the car on, leave it running, and just you know kill you. Yeah, um, yeah, I got lucky there. Although to be fair to to Cranston's character here, to be to be fair to Howard Wakefield, he lasts a lot longer. Uh, he does. <laughs> than that, he is gone that for is an extremely true. long period of time. I think it's about a year. It's about a year, and uh, and so it's an anti-American beauty. It's also sort of like a weird inversion of its American life, or not inversion, but like a variation on it, where mm. rather than um, you know seeing the world if he'd never been born, he gets to watch what ha- what would happen to his family if he were to suddenly vanish. It just feels like such a like uh, an immature teenage way oh, of it is. approaching an issue. Well, and he kind and of they don't. I'm sorry, no, they, no, go they ahead. don't like paint him as though his break is significant in a way that like mm-hmm. makes you have any sympathy for him no um because there were points where i'm like okay if he's actually you know he's suffering from like a, a mental uh situation i mm-hmm. should be more considerate right but, but he really isn't no he's just he's no. like acting out this fantasy yeah. of like not having to be accountable to anyone right yeah no yeah it, it, it mocks him and that's why i think the movie ultimately i'm good with because it just mocks him you can just feel robin swiker just like masterfully being like, look at this stupid motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas a different filmmaker might have cast him in more of like a, yeah, he's a, he's a being a, mm-hmm. he's getting back to, you know, men need to be wild. Right. Throw and, that you know, beard men out. Men can't mm-hmm. have, you know, you know, and like, you know, men need to be like animals and men, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, she like lets him, cause this movie is told almost entirely in voiceover. There's very, mm-hmm. very little actual spoken dialogue on screen. Cause most of it is just Cranston watching his family and just ranting in voiceover. Which is also very, like, it's uh, quite insane. 
insufferable. I assume that the voiceover narration is is lifted from the short story for the most part because like it assume. has a very particular style that is not at all modern and it's very um, it's not self aware and it's like un unnecessarily complicated and like poetic. Mm-hmm. quote poetic right um, it's, it's overly literary it really is um and it doesn't really translate or make you interested um mm-hmm. it just it feels like it's talking at because it, he's like it's like his own thoughts so like if anyone actually thought that way and like narrated mm-hmm. their own situation that way it would be very hard to yeah. swallow well i think that if, for me it worked for like the pomposity of the character um yeah. that he would think that way um and you know just have yeah just that grandiosity i think it tracks with what he does in this movie you know he has you know that he just really taps into that grandiosity and just leans into it and i think that cranston himself is is fantastic in this movie Mm -hmm. i think that we take him for i mean Mm -hmm. i think i take him for granted as an actor for how good he is because Mm -hmm. he is always so good in everything um and uh you know and so he you know he he goes all the way into what this movie needs him to do mm-hmm. and he also totally plays it just subtly enough to like play into robin swikard's kind of you know what the commentary is that she wants to have here um where you know he's never winking but you can feel like he's he's being every ounce the fool mm-hmm. that she mm-hmm. needs him to be um mm-hmm. you know for this kind of particular read on this text mm-hmm. to come across um so uh you know i do want to have a moment of silence for beverly d'angelo Mm. Uh, who's cast as a mother-in-law who doesn't really even get to say a word Mm-mm. and is just there so that Cranston can say venomous things about her looks mm-hmm. and the voiceover. Um, so I'm sad for her. Mm-hmm. I'm sad for Beverly D'Angelo that she signed up for this. Jennifer Garner is cast as yet another suffering mm-hmm. uh, wife, uh, which, I mean, she's just leaning all the way into uh, at this yeah. point. But one of the things I liked about this movie, though, is that her character has a really interesting arc um from from beginning to end uh because i mean first of all i will say my heart broke for her watching Mm -hmm. this movie and um and there is one scene where um toward the beginning where cranston right after he's kind of first disappeared he's watching her react and he's just laughing and just such glee watching his wife freak out and um and then there's a scene where she breaks down when she's by herself and she starts to cry Mm -hmm. And he and he stops for a second. He kind of looks, and you can see that like, it's it's making him feel emotions. But then the mother-in-law shows up, and then he's just like, "Oh, good misogyny." And then he can just like dive right back into like, "Oh, I fucking hate her." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, like hide the food. Uh, there's gonna be no leftovers tonight, and you know all that so, horseshit. So bad. Um, and uh, so, but you know, Jennifer Garner, she does a great deal, and both both actors are required to do all their acting with basically no dialogue in this movie. Right. And they both give every, like, you fully get the emotion every time that they're telegraphing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and so we kind of watch her go on this journey of, like, you know, moving on. Um, And, uh, you know, so, and and I will say, the, (laughs) so this movie has an open ending that is infuriating. It really is. Um, Because that's the the whole, the only reason you're even watching it is so you can have, like, the catharsis of seeing what's going to happen. Um, you know, whenever, uh, you know, because we were like, okay, eventually he'll, you know, they'll see him again or he'll just leave forever or whatever. If it had been one or the other, if we had had the full mm-hmm. him seeing them again or he had just left, then I would have been like, okay, that's an ending. But this takes you right up to one of those mm-hmm. and then just ends before you can see anything that comes of it. Um, and, you know, we see lots of reaction shots in his fantasy life. Right. Um, including at least one when he was, um, he, at one point, once he starts to go kind of full, like mountain full, man. full craggy, yeah, full mountain <laughs> man. Um, he imagines her like 
walking outside and catching him with a raccoon. Like, oh, yeah. they're both crouched over <laughs> eating. They both look up at the same time in yeah. a great coordinated moment between him and the raccoon. Mm-hmm. Good teamwork. Good scene partnering <laughs> between Cranston and and, uh, and and Big Baby Pudding Snatcher in that scene. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, so, but th- at the end of the day, it's still a movie based on a short story and it just feels like a short story. It doesn't, it, there's not enough here to really fill out like mm-hmm. a feature film. Um, other troubling things is that, uh, he develops a relationship. He, he talks about how he doesn't need TV, um, because he spies on his other neighbor who is a doctor who, uh, takes in children with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And so he watches them like play and interact because that that's entertainment for him. And then they sort of kind of break into the house and they form kind of a friendship and these Mm -hmm. um, children end up saving his life at one point. Right. um, Which felt odd. I believe one of the actresses is uh, playing an actress with playing a character. character. Yeah, that was, I know. Yeah, I noticed that. That's always a little uh, troubling. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I was, I was very uncomfortable with her performance. mm -hmm. Um, It brought me back to Fences. And mm, Michael mm-hmm. T. Williamson. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, that was that was troubling. That was you know I'm just like that's what? no don't just don't don't do that. Um, so that was not great. And also I just I don't like the trope um, of like you know people with disabilities being mm-hmm. being treated as like these like savior angels mm-hmm. who you know who come in and you know make this you know like it just makes them it turns them into people who are expected to be like to serve this purpose right of right. like making bad people realize they're bad mm-hmm. and you know it just reduces them to that like the right. perspective like they hold up like a mirror pers- perspective like a... givers right yeah, yeah exactly. hold up a mirror and it's like oh fuck that yeah um so that's shitty but i will say i i prefer this movie to what it remind me of was wilson Oh, yeah, me too. But I would take this over that any day. Because because, you think they try to make Wilson more likable? Because, yeah, I think Wilson thinks Wilson is likable. Mm -hmm. And Wakefield knows Wakefield is not likable. Uh, And so that, for me, is the difference. And that's a huge, I think it makes all the difference uh, between this movie and that one. That's a tough one. I see what you're saying. I am on board with you that uh, this was played in such a way where... they lean into him being insufferable. But at the same time, because nothing really happens... I've just spent two hours listening to someone be insufferable and mm-hmm. there's no, nothing from it. So I felt like this one was maybe more of a waste of time and, and Wilson like went on more of an actual adventure. Mm-hmm. Like he literally w- went and like found people and did different things where this guy did the complete opposite and just stayed in one room mm-hmm. listening to their awful inner thoughts. Um, I don't, I mean, I guess I don't know that I would prefer Wilson either. Right. Um, they're, they're both pretty terrible. I mean, I guess I enjoyed, I enjoyed sort of like the dissonance of hearing um hearing the way that Cranston's character is processing it and framing it to, to, for himself for his own mental purposes and then seeing something very different playing out i enjoy the sort of like because mm. we're watching jennifer garner go through it in a very pure way and we're watching this that we we see you know like like you said like a year goes by mm-hmm. and she's in a very different place by the end of it than she is at the beginning and so just the experience of watching this woman like basically recover mm-hmm. and become stronger and happier and seeing her just start a new life while this like toxic asshole is still ranting in his head about how she doesn't, you know, cover up when she looks out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I think that that was there was something victorious uh, in that for me. I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I think that also that but since the door has been left open for him to come back, mm-hmm. um, basically all that happened was that 
he made her suffer again for a year, made her suffer through the loss of a husband just to come back when he feels like it. Yeah, no, and that's true. Um, and I guess that's why, in, in, you know, so basically we're telling you it's open-ended in the sense that, you know, like he comes back and then it ends before we see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and that leaves you to sort of debate with yourself, like what you think the reaction is going to be. Like, is she going to welcome him back? Um, you know, or is she, you know, going to be like, get the fuck out. What'd you do to us? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's one to debate because the movie is not going to tell you, unfortunately. <laughs> it's interesting. So he kind of goes back and he tells the story of how they met and how, uh, which was basically all through trickery. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he didn't even really, she was a dancer. He didn't even like dancers, but he only liked her because his, was his friend best, yeah. was dating her. Mm-hmm. And so and, basically it was a competition. Yeah. Um, and then continue to manipulate that situation and trick her into liking him and mm-hmm. eventually being with him. And so as he's telling the story, he's like very aware of the, what he was thinking at the time and what his motivations were. But at the same time, in the at the very, very end, he kind of, you know, has that line where like, I'm the Howard Wakefield that is now more free, mm-hmm. but he's still an asshole. So right. I don't understand that he like, he knew what he was doing the whole time. So he didn't really gain any perspective, but at the same time, right. he's not any nicer. So he didn't really transform. Right. Very well, confused. And I guess I think that's part of what I like because like what we see is we see Jennifer Garner go through an actual trauma and then have an actual redemption from that trauma and find new life. And while he has a bullshit made up trauma mm-hmm. and then tries to stage manage his way through this <laughs> fake, like, um, you know, coming into a greater awareness yeah. and understanding of things that's bogus and bullshit. And then he merged at the end, like, I'm a changed man, but he's not a changed man. And she's a changed woman now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I guess that just mm-hmm. seeing them play out side by side in this kind of interesting way where it's just voiceover and no dialogue mm-hmm. was a, it, it, it impacted me more. Because at the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, I'm going to fucking hate this. Yeah, I mean, the um, first line just reads uh, so like it's such a pompous pretentious pretentious stagey yeah. way that I I think I texted you the first line yeah and I was yeah you were like, having a hard time uh, right right off the bat yeah um, um, but uh, what are you going to give this? I don't know. I'm going to say send it back. Are you? Okay. Yeah, I, th- I can see, see what you're saying. It's definitely not as bad as some other movies we would have seen, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that the takeaway is worth the time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a consumed moderation for me. Um, you know, I think that if you're a fan of Brian Cranston, then you have to see it because it's, it's you know, it's it's just a another great performance from him. And, uh, and I do think there's some interesting character stuff here and just the stuff that I'm saying about, you know, the way it's structured and, and the way it lets you experience the story in kind of an untraditional way, um, I found interesting. Um, but I yeah, wouldn't say, like, go run out and see it. It's not pick the week material, but it has, it, it has some things about it that I'll probably remember fondly when I think back on it. Um, and Wakefield is rated R for sexual material and language. And that's it. Um, thank you so much. Next week we are going to be out for a couple of weeks, but we're going to have a show next yeah. week that's just going to be a little themey. Yeah, I think it's going to be probably. I was thinking maybe like two weeks. So yeah, mm, so we're okay. so we're missing. We're we're going to miss the next two weeks of new release uh, episodes because first I'm going to be out and then Rebecca's going to be out. Uh, but so uh, what we are going I'm to do? I'm just going to be actually hiding in the apartment above, <laughs> watching you try to record the show by yourself, <laughs> growing a full beard because adults can do that. <laughs> Um, but no, we're going to do, um, for one of those two weeks that we're going to be out, we're going to do a special pride episode, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is something that has been requested in the past. And so we're going to go ahead and do it, pick some of our favorite LGBTQ movies and talk about them with you guys. Um, so you'll have that. And then we'll have a new, new release episode, uh, for I believe June 16th. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, uh, to the show and however you get your podcasts and, uh, you can follow Jason on Twitter. He is at excess baggage. And I'm at fight balance. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.